from regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Jake Watroba, and joining me as always is Stephen Jodoran and Armand Kafai. On today's show, we are joined by the president of Austin Anthem, Josh Babetsky, as we discuss all things Austin FC following the news last week of the club's 30,000 season ticket deposits. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. Now, let's get to our discussion with Josh. Joining us on the show is the president of Austin Anthem. You can follow him on Twitter at Quixado. It's Josh Babetsky. Josh, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, because uh, we're recording this, I guess, on Sunday. But, um, but doing great. It's been it's exciting times continue to happen here in Austin, Texas. Josh, and, and I, heat is attempting to increase. So yes, yes, <laughs> starting to get hot. Yes, Josh. Actually, I want to get your take on the the U- U.S. Women's World Cup. Uh, We've talked a lot about it on the show. We got obviously with the U.S. men's national team playing the Gold Cup, World Cup, so much going on. But we're two games in. You've been watching them. You said you had a watch party for the game against Chile. Mm-hmm. How how are you feeling with this U.S. Women's World Cup? It seems to be uh, smooth sailing. I mean, so far so good, right? I mean, we haven't really kind of come up against any significant competition, I think, yet. Um but, you know, I think the, the the thing with both the men and the women right now playing in competition is it just continues to just point out that disparity between our national women's program versus where our men's program's at. Josh, what did you make of the celebrations? I know you saw that conversation on Twitter. Did you care? Did you like it? What, what's your take on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have an opinion. There, You know, <laughs> um, I think there's... <laughs> 
I mean, you know, I, we're watching it and I'm watching it with my kid who's, you know, not fairly young, you know, to keep his attention for the full 90 and, and to that level of intensity. And even by the time I got to like the 10th goal, even he's like squirming in his chair going, oh my God, this is so rough. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's natural to just instinctively have a point for like, oh my God, just show them some mercy at this point. Um, you know, but on the other hand, they're, they're there in France to do a job. And, you know, I think, you know, to, to on, on the behest of, uh, of sportsmanship to like have them ask them to step on, like off the gas, I don't think is makes sense either. Um, you know, as far as the celebrations, whatever, I mean, they're there, they're happy. Some of this, it's their first world cup. Some of this, it might be their last world cup. You know, they're, they were clearly having a good time enjoying it. They were, they were very, very sportsman like. Uh, courtesy to the team uh, you know there was an exchange of notes with the, the Thai uh, goalkeeper um, you know I think people are just looking for reasons you know it's it's soccer soccer internet they they've somebody wants to look for a reason to be upset about something well yeah that is that is true everyone does look for something to be upset about something but let, let's <laughs> let, let's talk about That's what the internet's for yeah no you're not wrong it's God, oh my! Just wait for the. We're recording this on Sunday. Just wait for the U.S. Men's National Team. I don't know what the result is. Like yep. I said, we're recording this on Sunday, but to score three goals and then something's gonna happen or somebody's gonna say something about the celebration. And here we go again. But let's talk about why we brought you on today, Sean. Let's talk about Austin. Some big, big news kind of developed last week. Armand, uh, tell us about it. So Austin broke an, a, the MLS record for the largest number of membership deposits placed in a single day in the history of the league. Uh, at 30,000 seats, this uh, from the Austin FC website, uh, it goes on to say the record-setting deposit results reinforces the Austinites' love of soccer and their city, as well as the strength of the market and the pent-up demand for a major league for major league sports in Austin. I think Atlanta in three months only had 26,000 now Austin at thirty thousand is phenomenal, Josh. I mean, obviously, what's just your overall reaction to uh, when you first heard this news come out? I agree with all of it. Um, no, I mean, it was it was, it was clearly. Um, I think uh, I think it exceeded all manner of expectations that um, I'm sure the front office had, the league had. Um, you know, it kind of blew our mind. You know, when when those numbers kind of came out. Um, um, but it was clear we had a you know big day. Like when we this when the website went down at 10 a.m. right when tickets went on sale, um, and then we're seeing threads on like MLS discussions ranging from Facebook to Reddit to other places where people were like stop their dentist appointment in mid appointment to like you know get their reservation in. You know that's that's certainly a sign of something. Um, you know the fact that it was really. A uh, really strong initial day doesn't surprise me, but just the, 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 the those putting up those kinds of numbers, though, even even I'm a little bit like, wow, that's that's great. And and again, it just continues to be every step along the way, just a vindication that this is the right market for MLS to be in. Uh, you know, all the data continues to just c- continues to reinforce that narrative that while it wasn't pretty getting here. Um, this certainly is our, our right choice, and, and the, the data and the fans are turning out to prove it all correct. It's pretty crazy, Josh, if you really think about it. I, I can remember you know, around this time last year, we, you know, we were doing the whole Columbus-Austin thing, and I was kind of championing on this podcast. I've never been to Austin. I've never been to Texas. I don't know anything about Texas. The only thing I can, I can look at in terms of soccer in Texas and go, 
FC Dallas can't draw. Houston can't draw. Why the hell would we want to put a team in Austin? That's that's that was my my whole thought process on that. And then you came on and and, and I listened to what you had to say and you you, you changed my tune. And this just goes and shows. I mean, thirty thousand season tickets. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, Minnesota well, United. I think, yeah, what was it? Their Minnesota. Tickets. The cap was only thirteen or fourteen thousand season tickets. So I mean, that just gives you an idea of the magnitude of what Austin FC and, and the fans accomplished. My only question is, is this 20,500-seat stadium too small now? Should it have been 25,000 or 30,000? You know, granted, you don't want to build a stadium at 30,000 because you, you sold 30,000 season tickets. You want some demand. You want a waiting list. You know, you want to create this buzz on the team that, hey, there's more people who want to be a part of this than there, than there are seats. But it, it, it kind of makes me wonder: Is twenty thousand, you know, seat stadium is that is that too small? And it, it kind of gets to that point too of when is a team in MLS going to, you know, say, you know, screw it, let's go thirty thousand with, with our stadium. Let's not right. let's not be the same size of an NBA arena. Let's 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 go thirty thousand. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I th- I think it is the right size. Um, our stadium here in Austin will have some um, expandability cap- uh, built into it. It'll be like I think twenty thousand five hundred when it opens. Uh, and I think they can add another couple thousand seats into that. It's built into the designs, but yeah, I mean, any, any person in ticket sales in the business will tell you that, you know, you want a very uh, healthy waiting list uh, to, um, yeah, to to have it at the ready and at the go uh, to, sh- to shuffle people in, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, the Applebee's thing, right. You know, you always want people waiting to get in. You never want to have just, uh, to be able to accommodate everybody. And then, you know, if there's a dip or anything, then, you know, that starts getting to be, you know, very apparent. And, you know, as, as mentioned, as we see in other facilities that can't even fill what they have. Um, so, I mean, uh, long-term, yeah. I mean, I hope though they absolute, like, I, I would love nothing more than in five years uh, that, you know, pre-court and team are just complaining that, that they need, we need actually need a bigger venue now. And, or we, you know, we need some kind of clearance to like stick another, you know, stick another, uh, uh, concourse in somewhere. Um, but I think, you know, for right now, I think it's, it's just proving out that, you know, what the the plan is that they are executing against, uh, is there, is the right plan, even if it's a little undersized for the market, I think, uh, better, better to do that and prove it out and work out the kinks, um, you know, than to overbuild, uh, but I mean, I think these are all points to to a good sign. And you know, and as you said, we don't even know actually what the total season ticket availability is going to be. But it's just staggering that no matter how you want to number sales deposits, you know, uh, that in the first day, if you didn't get on that, if you didn't get your deposit in, um, you know, you might be waiting or might only be able to get a partial season plan or something like that. It's just just an astounding astounding stat any way you cut it i think what i'm concerned about is something actually we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago and it was kind of about this repetition we're seeing now in mls and whether or not mls is growing they're getting all these expansion teams into it but the tv ratings are not necessarily reflecting that and i mean we, we look at expansion I mean, guys, 2015, NYCFC and Orlando. In 2017, it was Minnesota and Atlanta. 2018, LA. 2019, this year, Cincinnati. Then you have Miami, 2020. Nashville, 2020. And then Austin, 2021. But these expansion franchises are either hitting everything on the nail or they seem to go south real quick. 
And my concern for Austin is, are we going to get to a point, maybe the people of Austin are very excited, but just MLS fans are just tired of talking about the expansion franchise and go like, oh, cool, this is the new team on the block. Like, there, there's a threshold of like, can we just let the league play out for a couple seasons before we introduce somebody new? Because you have to go through expansion drafts. I mean, how are they going to be able to keep up and how are teams able to compete in a situation where the, there's a new club every year on 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 the market? Well, I mean, we have the, the that ending on our horizon, at least, you know, in the, in the short term. So I, I would suspect that Team 28 is probably going to come in on 21 with Austin, um, whether that's Sacramento or St. Louis, which it seems to be those two still seem to be the front runners. But, you know, who, know, who knows what we'll be talking about in a year from now. Um, and then, you know, they're, they agreed to kind of go up to 30, uh, which I don't know how fast that will follow. But, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to chase the markets where they, the opportunity is. And I think, you know, this is a scenario where, um, you know, there are enough strong markets uh, to make these things happen. You don't necessarily kind of control the the timing and, and the opportunity of, you know, when they can kind of move into a certain place. But then I certainly expect they will take a breath at some point. Um, you know, just quite simply, if you look at the landscape of potential cities and then the, the start winnowing down those cities of like what they actually have that would meet all the kind of those MLS uh, criteria buttons, you know, there's there's really only about three or four more, which is, you know, seems to align with the going to 30 strategy right now, at least for the time being. I mean, obviously things can change, but, um, you know, I don't think over expansion is too big because if anything else, it allows them to kind of tweak and prove the formula. I actually think the bigger question is, is what are MLS's plans going to be to rehab these 1.0 clubs that right. are, you know, direly underperforming and not being able to compete. I don't think adding cities is the problem. It's what do you do with the ones that aren't keeping up? Josh, I know we've I talked off them. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because, you know, when you bring a market in, you can set new expectations around what the facilities right. have, what they should do. you got 20-some years of leagues lear- league learnings to go into facilities and operations and ticket sales and outreach. Um but, you know, when you have the, a lot of these laggard markets that just aren't keeping pace, uh, you know, some, you know, the original clubs of, of, of MLS, um, you know, they're, they're, how, do you, how do you take all those learnings and now circle back around to, to those clubs um, and get them to kind of invest and reinvigorate where the, the locations they're at? Um, if not, you probably see more relocation threats in the future, I have no doubt. It's interesting to me because I uh, was going back doing some research and obviously this new deposit information kind of piqued my interest and maybe I am a little biased. Me, Stephen, are a little biased because we've both been to Austin and we've both been to the city and we we both know what the culture is like over there. It's it it, it to me it's very for 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 lack of a better word it's intriguing to me how Austin has kind of stepped it up and you see like these very small things that no one's really talking about, but they're pretty significant, right? They, they've already, they've already got the training cert uh, sponsorship. They've already got the training facility sponsorship. They're getting the Academy going with the U14s. Uh, Pre-court's already said, Hey, look, we're going to invest. It's now, I think 240 or 250 million for, for the stadium. There is new renders of it. The two teams are coming into MLS in 2020 I haven't really done. Haven't really done that much compared yeah. to Austin. I mean, let's think about it. Uh, Nashville said, "What? Oh, we're going to be playing a Nissan Stadium 
Uh, they sure they have a two hundred seventy five million dollars stadium, but that's not gonna that's gonna open two years after they they join MLS. If you look at Inter Miami, they're gonna be playing in Fort Lauderdale for the first two years. Sure, they've both kind of start up their academies, but Fort Lauderdale is in Miami, and we all we both know that. Yeah, and that stadium is only gonna be eighteen thousand, and then they might move to Freedom Park in twenty twenty two if they can get all that stuff together. It seems like and this is again my opinion. I think people were wrong about the prospect of Austin being a bad market. I'm not saying, you know, hey, like, hey, look, the media numbers aren't that good. But, I mean, relative to ev- the other expansion teams that are going on, sure, Precourt's known as this cheap skate be- because of what happened in Columbus, whatever. It's all in the past. Right now, they're studying the standard ahead of these other MLS expansion franchises. They're coming in next year. They're coming in next year, not even in two, three years. They're coming in next year. Josh, I mean, I just want your, your opinion because I know you've always been a huge – you're obviously a huge proponent of MLS in Austin. Do you think people had like a wrong perspective or a wrong prospect of Austin being a bad market? Um, I, I guess it depends on who those people are. I mean, again, you go back to the soccer internet. They're, you know, it's largely just a bunch of, you know, clowny attitudes and, and – and, you know, internet mentality mobs that just want to f- have a narrative that fits their position. And before the narrative was, you know, oh, this is, you know, bad what's happening up north. Therefore, you know, Austin itself is bad. You have our, our friends down in South uh, San Antonio, you know, uh, uh, griping a bit because somehow they felt they were passed over. But, I mean, the data has stood up for years that what a good market Austin is in general um, you know, people love to try and throw up the PDL and the USL stuff. Um, but I mean, that's not the same as having a top flight club. There's just no comparison. I mean, you, Atlanta's a really good poster child for that with the Silverbacks uh, versus what you see Atlanta do. Um, you know, it is a different product. It is a different set of circumstances. Plus, Austin is a rapidly evolving market. I mean, Austin five years ago is definitely not the same as Austin 10 years ago when um you know, when the uh, original Aztecs fled in the night to become Orlando City. Um, so, you know, I think anybody who was saying Austin's a bad market just it wasn't looking at any of the data objectively. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, the the people who, you know, they found it fun to be hating on uh, pre-court and team. And, you know, certainly there was a, a certainly an unpolished PR aspect to what's been going on over the past year. But, you know, one might almost have to say, you know, they're actually have been executing against the plan. And now those those plans are starting to come to light. Um, and it's it's looking like a much different scene of, of how they're implementing this their Austin strategy here. And it seems to be already paying off and still have 23 months before we kick a ball or 22, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's two different perspectives there. There's obviously the one from Austin where like, wait a minute, there's something to be said here. And I think Armani actually say something that a lot of people don't want to talk about is that these expansion franchises, if they don't take it seriously, they could easily fail. I mean, Jake, Minnesota, or Cincinnati, I mean, you're talking about two different squads and clubs here, but their philosophy has kind of set them up to fail. And then you have Austin and all what Armand has said and read and what they're doing. It seems like they're going to come in and be more front runners like an LAFC and an Atlanta. Right. I mean, from my perspective, I should have known when FC Cincinnati was asking Minnesota United about the expansion process that FC Cincinnati was going to be a bleep show this year. <laughs> that should have been my first clue. Uh, but what I, but what I want to, what I, 
what I want to uh, just ask all of you, actually, is kind of piggybacking off of what Armand was saying earlier, was how Austin has their stadium in place, whether they're, they're building that or getting that ready. You have the training facility. You have the academy. You have the sponsorship deals. You have a 30000 season ticket deposit. Is pre-court, and I'll start with Steven on this one, do you believe pre-court is going to hit the ground running with this team in terms of investing in player personnel and, and not going the Minnesota United or the FC Cincinnati uh, approach and kind of doing the, well, we, you know, soft launch FC type of thing. Jake, I think he almost has to. All the criticism of what happened with the crew going to Austin, I mean, we, we lived through it. We covered it. And Josh, who probably would have a, a, a more of an insider take since you, you were down there and you see things from coming from the ground up, but I think he has to, but I think more importantly, and I think this is the better fact, it's better for the league if they do. You need a team like Austin to hit the ground running because I don't see Nashville doing it. Maybe they will, but they're coming into the league next season. It, it, we saw the difficulties FC Cincinnati had, and Miami seems to be a bleep show. Yeah, Beckham's trying to get Messi and Suarez to come over. But they're not going to have a real stadium. They're going to be playing non-Miami. They're going to have all types of problems in Miami. So I, I don't know, Josh. I mean, do you think pre-court is feeling the pressure to succeed? Um, I, I mean, I think as an individual, yes. I mean, I think as far as, as a reaction to what's been going on over the past year, I think if nobody has learned any other lesson uh, from this whole saga, uh, this is the lesson that everybody should learn. The league gives zero Fs what public perception is. They are going to operate against whatever plan they're operating against, and they will ride out the, the wave of PR and WTF until they get to that point. And by and large, once they get to the other end of that plan, everybody's kind of like, oh, well, this is actually a pretty good plan. You know why they do that? I don't know, but you know, I I don't think anybody is doing anything to prove anything. Um, I don't think pre-court or pre-SB has anything to prove to the league. Um, I think they are solely focused on executing their franchise here in Austin, Texas, to the best of their ability. And I think if you take you know any of the data that you've seen from the franchise, a good part of that team that, uh, that operation. Uh, used to be running and, and how well and how successful a lot of those aspects were there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that just not to, you know, I guess the short answer is not to prove to anything else, but I think they want to run a very successful franchise. Um, I think you're I think the, the assumption that, you know, LA and LAFC and Atlanta have really kind of opened up some changes in how the approach and how they set things up, I think have occurred. You know, does, is if Nashville and Miami going to pick up on some of that? Well, you know, why didn't Cincinnati? But maybe those are some of the learnings too, where they, you know, they backed off the gas of trying to quickly get a team down here to play in 19 and just wait out till 21 um, and start clean and have the runway. Um, clearly, seems to be a better approach. I mean, it paid off dividends in LA, and you know, you can argue Atlanta kind of maybe not the same kind of runway, but certainly they had some time to to get things right. My my opinion is this: is there, is there pressure direct uh, directly? No, but I think there's an expectation, and you invest in this brilliant stadium. You invest in you're going to invest in a training facility. 
all the things you're bringing. You had to go through um, some like legal hoopla to get McCullough placed. You're getting this hype around this team. I think there's an expectation that the on-the-field product will be there. And I'm, I'm going to say it from a lot, of, uh, a lot of people, my friends, they know me that, you know, I do this, I write about soccer, whatever. A lot of them go to Austin, and I have got, been getting texts, like a lot of texts with them saying, hey, look, when Austin comes, you're coming. I'm like, I might be covering or I might be doing something, but yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be there like 100%. They're like, we're excited. Like, there's it was, it was a, a genuine, uh, oddly enough, it's a genuine buzz for a team that's not coming around for two years. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yep. it's, very, it's, it's very interesting to me. The people go to that discount tire uh, where, uh, where the little, little stadium <laughs> the thing is. the most popular discount tire discount in the tire. country right now. Yep. <laughs> they, go there, they, go, they go there not to get tired, but to go take a picture next to the thing. Um, I see, I see the shirts. I see the hats. Maybe again, maybe it's a little bit more biased because I'm in, I'm in Texas. Maybe I see them a little bit more, but I've seen them. And overall, I don't know if there's pressure, but I think there's an expectation. And you know what? I think it'd be, I don't know if it'd be funny or really, really just interesting to see what happened if you know pre-court suddenly infests a team comes out with a DP that, you know, maybe connects with Hispanic community, maybe one that's from Mexico that can really connect and just hits the ground running with, with, with that. And I wonder what the reaction uh, around the league would be, but Josh, just say thank you for joining us. And as you know, we do our shameless plug. So go ahead and just plug away anything you want our listeners to find or that you want them to uh, look at. Yeah, if you want to keep up with the latest and greatest news uh, here out of Austin, Texas, um, please you know catch up with the support or supporters group, which is the the official supporters group uh, for Austin FC, uh, Austin Anthem. You can find us online at austinanthem.org. You can find us on all the social, uh, very social networks at Austin Anthem. Uh, we also have all of our content made available in Spanish, so you can find us at uh, hymno.austin.org uh, and at Austin Anthem ES on all the various social networks. Um, you know, we continue to grow by leaps and bounds. We're having you know record-breaking numbers, um, just the, the sheer amount of supporters we we have. Uh, and again, just the fact we still got till 2021 to, to play has been uh, just astounding. Just every time a new piece of news comes out, it's just awe-inspiring uh, how how well uh, things are going here in Austin, how excited we are to uh, finally get to play some matches and have all uh, the whole team up there from Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast down to uh, come hang out with us and see how great Austin is. I knew two out of three you do, so now we gotta we got to get the full boat down here and do uh, maybe a live broadcast. Yes, yes. I love it. And, and Josh, I think you are still at the top of Uncle Sam's guest appearances list. So, yes. Don't right. have to worry about well, that. Well, if anybody gets soon. close to my number, call me up and put me on, and I'll just do like a five <laughs> second blurb and then hop off just so I can keep my record. There you um. go. There you go. All right, listeners. Josh Mabeski from Awesome Anthem. Make sure you give him a follow. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. It's always a pleasure talking with Josh, listeners, Austin FC. Kind of late for the question of the day. The question of the day is, is Austin FC taking the proper steps to ensure success 
And then you have a club like Nashville that seems to be under the radar. Jacob Armando, I mean, it's like Austin FC seem to be ready for MLS. And then you have Miami and Nashville who are entering a year before Austin. And I, it's hard. What, what are we doing? What are we doing with these two clubs? I, I, I don't know because Miami is a struggle. Who knows? They've been in Fort Lauderdale for a long time. Who knows? Uh, we're not sure. In Nashville, I mean, look, a lot of people say a lot of people will rag on Austin for having really bad the Aztecs or whatever. I mean, this is from last week. Nashville's attendance in USL isn't amazing. It's six thousand three hundred twenty. That's their average. That's their average. It's hard to use those arguments to rip on on a market. And look, I think Austin's ahead of the curve, and it's weird to me that they're ahead of the curve, like compared to two other teams that are coming in a year earlier. I don't know. It's very, it's very odd to me. The whole thing is odd to me. You're going to have Miami playing in 40, 40, 45 minutes out in Fort Lauderdale. And then you're going to have Nashville playing at a, what, Titan Stadium, Nissan, Nissan's uh, stadium uh, where the Titans play. They're ahead of it. They're ahead of it. And I think, I think Austin's going to give you a Portland-like feel uh, when they're officially done. And people are going to be surprised. Because they've never been to the city, and they just hear all the narratives and stuff like that. But if you go to the city, me and Steven both know it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you definitely see why MLS want to put a team in there. Surprised they didn't go there earlier. Jake, you've been through the expansion process with MLS. Tell us your thoughts when you look at Miami, Nashville, Austin. What type of feelings grow inside you jealousy like a total abort mission with their current steps austin fc is gonna hit the ground running i fully believe that i think they're gonna be one of the better teams in mls when they enter the league in a couple of years here kind of like lafc was last season minnesota united didn't even have an academy set up until their very first season i mean it sounds i think what armand said with uh when Josh was on, was they already have a U14 team set up, so that right there tells me that you know they they're, they're already thinking down the future. They have the practice facility, they like they have the season ticket pledge and all that all that whole thing going on. Austin's gonna be great. They're gonna they this team's gonna be good from the jump. I know Miami seems like kind of a bleep show, but I think they won't have any problems getting some higher end international talent to come there just because of the name. You know Miami people want to be in Miami. I think. It might look David like Beckham. a mess. David Beckham. It might look like a mess playing in Fort Lauderdale, but I think the team, team-wise, I think they should be decent to start. Now Nashville, Nashville is going to be like Cincinnati. They're going to be like Minnesota United. They're going to be like Orlando. Of the three, they are going to be the worst team of the bunch. They don't know what they're doing. I, it doesn't look like it. They're going to play in Nissan Stadium, like Armand said. They're drawing six thousand people. I think they're playing in a minor league baseball stadium. And I can see why you wouldn't want to go and watch, but. To, to me, we'll see I with think Nashville. Will I think Austin it, will be fine. Nashville will be an interesting squad to follow because they could turn it around. They could actually say, "Look, we know what Cincinnati did. We're not going to do what Cincinnati did. We'll do something different." But from outside looking in, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and more so, it's just about the noise they create. Like, what type of buzz is around the squad? I'm I'm not too certain. I think Austin. There's controversy with the ownership, with the, the start of the club. 
but there's also buzz within the city. And then there's there's buzz around the league. They're like, look at this club. People are interested. People are invested. That's why we're talking about them on the show. Listeners at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, tweet us thoughts, question of the day. What are we doing with Austin FC? How are we feeling? What are we looking at? You excited for 2021? Follow us at Stephen Jodderan, at Jake Watroba, at Armand Fai. Again, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Hit that subscribe button. Go back. Listen to what we have had to say about the U.S. women's team, U.S. men's team, all that good stuff. Past interviews. Until next time. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.